0: Good, good morning. I I don't know about you, but Friday, there wasn't a lot of joy in my heart as I was shoveling. And I kept saying to my wife, didn't we just shovel that sidewalk over there and it was fully covered again and again and again. I, I thought of that verse, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. I wanted Him to take away all that snow. Um... We're in this series, and if you have your Bibles, uh turn with me to, to Colossians chapter 1. We're in this series, no offense, how do we as Christians, as Christ followers, live in this world where we quickly get offended all the time. Uh, we started in November, took a little break at Christmas, we're ending it today. If you have your Bibles, Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. Paul wrote these little words to this church in in Colossae that said this, verse 13, For He has rescued us, talking about Jesus, for He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son that He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Well, we could just stop there. And just say, praise God. And be encouraged for the rest of our lives. He has rescued us. It doesn't say that He will rescue us. He has rescued us. And because of the cross, it's a done deal. And it says this in the Greek. And the Greek word for the word rescue is iri usato. Iri e usato which it literally means to snatch, to snatch to oneself. Now, snatch, that's an interesting word. We we might struggle with that. If you want an image in your head to go along with that translation, it would be like a child that is running onto the street. There's a car coming. The mother or father, probably the mother, the father's usually distracted, will see that thing that's about to happen. Will run out and snatch the child out of harm's way. That is what God did for you and me. He saw the harm that was coming in our world, and he snatched us to himself through Jesus Christ. But it doesn't stop there. If you go back to that verse in Colossians, it goes on. It says that He brought us into the kingdom of the Son that He loves. Friends, we're not just saved from something. We're saved to something. We're not just being snatched or rescued out of the kingdom of darkness and then placed into some spiritual no man's land that in one day we'll get to heaven so let's just wait for that glorious day. We've been rescued from the kingdom of darkness as you have been saved in the kingdom of His beloved Son. If that's a fact, which it is, you already have been placed in Christ in the kingdom, and so from now on, it's all about integrating into that kingdom of God. We all know this. My wife, Michelle, moved from the U.S. to Canada. We moved from one nation to another. Part of getting accustomed to that is all about integration. We learn the new culture of the land. We learn the value system of the new nation. We learn the language of that new nation. And if we don't integrate ourselves into that kingdom, into that nation, there's always going to be problems. That's why Jesus talked to us about the Holy Spirit. He's sent to, to help us come in line with the culture of the new kingdom, to help us come in line with the, the value systems, what, what Jesus talks about to talk that language, to speak the language that Jesus talks about. That's why Paul could say in in 2 Corinthians that we're supposed to be ambassadors of this new kingdom. It's interesting that the way it goes on to say in that Colossians chapter 1, it says that it's the Son whose kingdom is in whom we have the redemption of the forgiveness of sins. It's interesting that that Paul would kind of tag this on at the end. He speaks about Christ and he speaks about this kingdom that we're now saved into. And one of the very first things is to learn about the forgiveness of, of sins. See, if we actually need to understand what it means to be forgiven, forgiven by God to actually understand forgiveness here on earth. We need to understand that vertical part of forgiveness, which is God forgiving us our sins. But we also need to understand the horizontal part of forgiveness, and that's those who trespass against us. See, the vertical and horizontal picture of forgiveness shows us the cross. The full redemption, pa- redemptive power of Jesus maybe you can remember the disciples asked jesus how to pray and in there in matthew 6 he said pray about forgiveness pray about god forgiving our sins and forgive those who trespassed against us see the vertical and horizontal pathway of forgiveness are always connected they're never separate Well, let let us first understand the perspective that that brings about forgiveness, that releases forgiveness. If you have your Bibles, flip with me to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Jesus is responding. Here's the context. Jesus is responding to a question from Peter. Peter is asking a question that you probably have asked yourself. How many times do I need to forgive this person? Yeah. And Jesus gives kind of a backstory. How many times do I need to, in order to be a follower of Jesus, do I need to forgive someone who has hurt or sinned against me? And Jesus shares this interesting parable. Jesus liked to tell stories, just like you and I connect with story. So Matthew 18, use your imagination. Don't just read it for facts. Use your imagination. See yourself in this story. Verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settle a settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children... And all that he had to be sold to pay, pay back the debt. Verse 26, At this the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me. I will pay you back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. Verse 29, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he refused, verse 30. Instead, he went off and the man, and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay back the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Now, in some of your Bibles, in some of your translations, you would have seen these two words, and we're going to talk about them, talents and denarii, okay? So talents and denarii. You might remember that from Sunday school. So the modern-day translators have went, okay, let's talk 10,000 coins and, you know, 10,000 bags of gold. We can kind of get those images in in our heads. Let me just kind of walk you through that. We get the basics of this story. We understand that the king must be representing God, and the servant could easily be you and me. And we understand that we've been forgiven a lot. And at times we're hesitant and unwilling to forgive other people. We get that. The thing is, and this is such a great part of the story, that Jesus is trying to make is actually found in those currencies, the numbers that we have. So whether it's that 10,000 bags of gold or 1,000 silver coins or talents and denarii, follow along with me. This is, we're going to go back into like grade 10 math, okay? So stay with me. We'll, we'll try to make sense of this. Jesus is really trying to say this, and I do pray, and I believe that this will open up our eyes today and give you a new understanding of the per- perspective of forgiveness. There's two relationships in that story in Matthew 18. We have this one with the king and a servant, and there's this debt that involved 10,000 talents, which means nothing to us, or even 10,000 bags of gold. We can't picture that. And then we have this other guy who owed a thousand silver coins, or in another translation, it would say the hundred denarii. So, so let me kind of wrestle through this with you so that you understand it, okay? So one day's wage, the average amount of money that you would make in a day, so in Canada, that's about $200 if you went right across Canada. It'd be the amount of money that you need to buy food, buy clothing, whatever you need to have a a decent life. So in Jesus' day, one day's wage could be one denarii, or sometimes translated as one silver coin. So one denarii, one silver coin, is about a day's wage. What about the talents? Now, here comes the math, okay? So I'm going to be my best grade 11 teacher here. One talent equaled about 6,000 denarii, okay? Stay with me. That's 6,000 days of work. So what would that be, you know? What would be our modern-day equivalent of that? The average daily wage, I've told you, is about $200. There's people earn more or less. One denari would be $200. So one talent is 6,000 denarii. Here comes the math. One denarii would be $200. So that guy, it would be about 1.2 million. Is that a better number for us than talents and bags of coins? This guy owed the king 10,000 talents. Some of your Bibles would have said that. That would be $12 billion. I don't know about you, but my mind this week went, where did he spend it? What happened here? Oh, he's a guy, of course. Okay. Why is he given this crazy amount of money? Why is Jesus even remotely talking about this twelve billion dollars? Even though this guy is in that much in debt, the guy says, Give me some time, I'll figure it out. Twelve billion dollars, you're not figuring that out. There's no way to pay back that debt of twelve billion dollars. You and I are in the same position. No good work, no religious deed could ever pay back our debts. That's why Jesus is talking about the need of a Savior. That's why God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That whoever believes in Him should not perish but have an everlasting life. Okay, so remember that $12 billion over here. Now let's go over this direction. A hundred denarii. Well, we know basic math, I've already showed you that, 100 denarii times $200 would make it $20,000. So here Jesus is choosing this $12 billion and over here $20,000. Now $20,000 is a lot of money. I mean, if somebody owed me $20,000 and then one day came back and said, sorry, I can't pay it back, that would be a real problem. Most of us are not in a position where we can just let go of $20,000. The point that Jesus is trying to make here is that this guy really owed a lot of money. Not 12 billion, but 20,000. And maybe that's your situation. Maybe somebody owes you a lot of money. Maybe somebody did you wrong and it hurts. Maybe for some of you your heart is broken. Maybe somebody treated you real bad and there's no excuse for it. Maybe there's a considerable amount of debt involved between you and someone else. And as long as you stay focused on the perspective of the debt only, that 20,000, it will look like a huge amount and you are right. But here's the point. 20,000 is only a lot of money until you compare it to 12 billion. And friends, that's forgiveness. Jesus is not saying here to us or to his disciples that the amount over here is small and and is insignificant. And that it's easy to forgive and forget. But what Jesus is asking us to do is simply take a few steps back and compare it with what you've been given. What the debt has been canceled in your life. See the, the more we look at the twelve billion, the more eager we 're to let go of the twenty thousand. However, if we fix our eyes on that and that alone, we can say, "I have the right, and maybe you do, but you 're taking your eyes off of this now, if I was the devil, and thank god i 'm not, I would work overtime to try. And have you not seen 12 billion? To try to steer your, your mind away from this, to just focus your eyes on your debt, that 20,000 that someone owes to you, that someone did bad to you with. And I would just try to do whatever I could to bring your eyes away from the 12 billion, the fact that God has forgiven you so much more than that. And the main way that, that he does this. To distract our eyes is simply to do it through pride. See, if you, you want something to kill forgiveness, and this is the second thing, pride always kills forgiveness. But confession is a way that we kill pride. But when we just go on living without confession, pride always grows in us. We know this verse, 1 John 1, nine. if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10 says, if we say we haven't sinned, we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. See, pride will think. It'll cause us to think that there's no 12 billion. I'm not that bad. I'm doing quite well. And all of a sudden, I'm playing down the fact that God had to send His Son to die for my sins. This is the very reason why God hates pride. Repeatedly in the Bible, God says that He hates pride more than any other sin. Why? Because pride always robs us of blessing. Pride blocks our hearts so that we don't see our own need of forgiveness. And because we don't, we're not eager to forgive anyone else. We want that 20000 that somebody owes us. That is why we can't stop speaking about sin. See, if we delete sin from the concept of Christianity, of following Jesus, then we rob the people of the blessing of forgiveness. It's only as you and I confess, and in confessing, we're punching down our pride. We're knocking it down. We're saying we're guilty as charged. But we're opening up our hearts for the miracle of forgiveness. Sin is a problem only when there isn't forgiveness. But if there's forgiveness, and it is, then realizing I'm in daily need of the grace of God and the forgiveness of God is the door which opens a world of freedom. I realize, and I'm constantly reminding myself of the $12 that God has erased from my bank account. (laughs) Then I become a different person in my mentality, in my perspective. And more than anything, there's a peace that comes. The peace that is found in forgiveness. Let's be honest here. I've seen that peace in my life and your life. The person who has joy even in the midst of very tough circumstances. Are you looking for peace? See, peace is always found in forgiveness. Remember Jesus on the cross? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You need to understand that always on the other side of forgiveness is peace. True peace is what forgiveness does. There's only peace on the other side of forgiveness. Maybe it's us accepting the fact that Jesus paid the price for us and that whatever we've done isn't so bad that it will not be covered by the blood of, of, of Jesus. Jesus is ready to cleanse us. He's ready to erase all those debts from our account. Before I end here, I just want to end with a couple more statements. I want to end with saying a few words about the power that is unleashed through forgiveness. When you forgive someone you have no idea what you put in motion. When you forgive someone, when you let someone go, even though they've hurt you, you have no idea what kind of consequences will come out of that. When you choose to forgive, you have no idea what you've put in motion. And you know what? I want to pray for you right now. Maybe you're out there. Maybe you're in the, in one of our, our places, whether it's Renfrew or Daybreak. And you're struggling with something that someone has done to you and you haven't been able to let it go. There was that debt of 20,000 and you've been looking at that debt for a long time now. It's time to get our eyes away from the 20,000 and look at the 12 billion. I believe the Spirit is calling our hearts to let go. To be generous remember we've talked about that here at daybreak one of the things we want to be about is generosity to be generous in forgiving others just like god has forgiven us so right now close your eyes i'm going to pray that god would allow his spirit to move in that dark area and set us free so that we can experience the peace that comes for forgiveness and we can unleash the miracles that will take place as we forgive others. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much in Jesus' name. We thank you for that debt of 12 billion that you cleared from our bank account. And we thank you for forgiveness and salvation in Christ Jesus. Father, forgive us when we've been too full of pride. And we haven't acknowledged our own need for forgiveness. And because we haven't got our perspectives right, we have been less eager to forgive others who have trespassed against us. But Father, we let go in Jesus' name the people who have hurt us. Just like you erased our sins and debts. And Father, right now I ask for anyone who makes that decision for the peace of God that passes surpasses all understanding to move right into our hearts and into our souls. And I pray that many miracles, many healed relationships will be unleashed through the power of forgiveness. This we pray in Jesus's mighty name. Amen.